count on one thing. The same God who never fails will not fail me now. He won't fail me now. In the waiting, the same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Yes, I. Good morning and welcome to Christ the Cornerstone. Whether you're in the room or worshiping with us online, we welcome you. Would you stand if you're in the room with us this morning and let's worship Him. When all I see is the battle, you see my victory. Thank you, Lord. When all I see is a mountain, you see a mountain. As I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. There's nothing, there's nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. Let's declare it together. So Oh, God, the battle be. 
Praise group. What wonderful words, brothers and sisters, to live our life by. Amen. Aren't you glad that the battle was not ours? Hallelujah. You can clap, please. God loves that. Let's praise the Lord some more. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, our God. Thank you for loving us so much that you gave your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us because you love us so that we could spend eternity with you. That's how much you love us. You even went and built a mansion for us in the sky. Thank you, God. You're so good to us. 
And you promise us, God, that you have our battles already won. Our foe has already been defeated. Amen. He's a defeated foe. He might not know it, but he is. Praise God. And there's not a better place for us to be than right here in the wonderful house of God. This is where we bring our problems, our troubles, our wounded heart to the altar. It's good to pray at home, but it's nothing like praying at church. Amen. One can chase a thousand, the Bible says, but two can chase, who knows, 10,000. Right, well, 10,000. So we are so powerful when we come here together like this and just tell God what's on our heart. When we come to the house of prayer, the house of God, aren't you glad you're here today? Hallelujah. I know God is. I'm glad I'm here. As the song says, let's forget about ourselves and concentrate on him. Hallelujah. And worship him. Worship him. I'm going to Psalm 122, which is a beautiful word of God telling us about the joy and the honor of being in God's holy house. David said, I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. Of all the grandeur, all that David had, his beautiful palace, here is where he wanted to be, in the house of God. Our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. That is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord. According to the statutes, get statutes given to Israel. There stands the thrones for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. Jerusalem, Israel needs our prayers, brothers and sisters. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. Let us go before the Lord in prayer, brothers and sisters. Dear Heavenly Father, we feel your presence. Your manifest presence for you said there is fullness of joy and pleasures at your right hand. Thank you, Lord. For blessing us thusly. Just because we came to church, you have blessed us this way. Lord, we love you. If there's a people anywhere that adore you, that exalt your holy name, we are those people. Hence why we are here today. Father, order our steps. Guide us, lead us. We don't know the way on our own. We need your direction. We hear your voice, dear God. In your precious word, we hear it in the birdies as they sang to us this morning, coming to church. We see it in the beautiful sunrise. Dear Lord, that's you telling us how much you love us. It will just open our eyes and open our heart. You will fill us with your wisdom and your knowledge. Thank you for that, dear God. Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus that you bless each and every person that is here today. Those who are at home watching us over the internet. Bless them for that, dear God. You say, when brethren come together in unity, it pleases you, and there you command the blessing. Thank you for that blessing, dear God. We ask, Lord, that you will bless our nation, 
that you have blessed this wonderful church of ours, all Christianity. We ask that you bless us and shield us. Help those who are being persecuted for righteousness' sake as you said you would, O oh God. Bless our elderly Lord and our, our little children here in the church. These are tenuous times, O oh God. You warned us of it, Jesus, in your Olivet Discourse. You told us these days would be. Protect us, Father. Shield us. I love your words, Lord. You said, I'll cover you with my feathers like a mother hen covers her chicks. Thank you, Jesus. We need your holy umbrella to shield us from dangers seen and unseen alike. Keep us safe, Lord, from all hurt, harm, and danger. And Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus that the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart, that they please you, that they be acceptable in thy sight. We ask this in the mightiest of all names, the holy, precious name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And would you join me in saying amen, brothers and sisters. Amen and amen. Praise God. You may be seated. Hey, CTC family. I'm Lynn, and here's this week's news. Our kids' ministry is a place where kids can hear the message of the gospel in terms that they understand, and this ministry is growing. To help meet that need, we are looking for people to minister to our babies, infant to two years old, during our 9 a.m. service. If you love babies and feel a call to this ministry, please contact our ministry director, April Loper-Brown, at aloper at ctcde.church. The holidays are approaching fast, and we want our facility to look its best for all those who will be worshiping with us during this time. To help make that happen, we will be decorating the church on Saturday, November 20th at 9 a.m. If you would like to be a part of this, email Michelle at mpassporters at ctcde.church or just join us at 9 a.m. on November 20th. Our media team is a vital part of our Wishart ministry. Every week, this team works hard to help people who are not in the room with us to experience the love and presence of God wherever they are watching. They also help lead worship by providing song lyrics and on-screen scripture passages. We are looking for several individuals who feel a call to media ministry. Our immediate needs include camera operators and projection operators. If you sense a call to this ministry, contact Pastor Bill at bjenkins at ctcde.church. For more information on these and other events, visit our website at ctcde.church or go to our Facebook page. If you need prayer, you can call the Bayer Campus office at 302-836-2862 or the Ellesmere Campus office at 302-998-4584. You can also email us at prayer at ctcde.church or if you're worshiping online, you can hit the request prayer button at the bottom of your screen. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. God bless you and have a great week. Good morning, everyone. Oh, I love hearing that. <laughs> it feels like it's been a while. So good morning to everyone in the sanctuary and to those of you online. I hope you had a good week. If not, I always think of it like this. We get to start over each day, so it's really nice. So again, welcome back, and thank you for joining us. 
So if you're new here and if you're in the sanctuary, again, welcome. And before you leave, once you leave and go to the left, there will be the welcome center where you can receive a free gift and be greeted by someone from our pastoral staff or just be given the chance to talk to anyone in this community. And for those of you online, if you are new here, you can click the new here button at the top or the little bubble that most likely just popped up in the chat. And of course, before I forget, for those in here, if you are sitting at the table or at the chair, you will see the connect card. Do you have the connect card at the bottom? I do. Yeah, the connect card. So you can fill that out so we know that you were here. And also, if you have any prayer requests, you can write that down too. And then same goes for all of you online. So you can either click the connect card button at the top or the bubble that just popped up in the chat. And again, for those of you in the sanctuary, don't forget to put your little cards in the basket on your way out. You got it all. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent job. Thank you, Rebecca. Welcome, everybody. I offer my welcome and greeting to you all online and everything. And as Rebecca said, uh, these Connect cards are, are critical to us being the body of Christ together and caring for each other. And even if you're a regular attender here, we simply just ask you to put your name on it. If you know we already have your information, you don't have to fill it out. But just let us know that you're here and we're, uh, that's one way that we stay in touch. But we do take very seriously the prayer request, so please let us know how we can pray for you and stay in touch with you, whether it's on paper or online. We're glad for that. And as we, part of our uh, faith development, part of growing in our trust in God is giving back to God, living our lives generously for God. And we have some principles here that we seek to follow. And, and so I ask you, let's read this principle out loud, principle number six, and let's read this together. We give according to our ability and beyond. And we want to we wanna say, okay, God... This is what I have. This is, you know, we look in the pantry sometimes and we say, well, I need this for this and I need that for that. Uh, but I don't have a plan for this one. I might need it someday, but I'm going to give it to somebody else and trust that when I need it, I'll be able to replace it, whatever. And it's an act of, becomes an act of faith. We stretch ourselves in that way. And that's important for us to do. And here's a scripture that tells us about how uh, the ancient Christians, the early Christians, experienced that kind of generosity. Let's read this together. They even did more than we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. And if you look at that, the larger portion of that text, you'll see that, that this was a, a church in one area that was generously giving itself sacrificially to others. And so we encourage you to do that, to grow in your faith, by uh, being generous with all the things that you have, whether it's your skills, whether it's your possessions, uh, or your financial resources. God takes care of us as we uh, follow Him and uh, do what He wants us to do. Let's continue to worship our Lord this morning. As we uh, stand, I invite you to stand together as I offer this prayer. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, You are gracious to us. Thank you for your son, Jesus, as we've already done, and the forgiveness that you give to us. Thank you for the transformation that you bring to our lives, into our hearts, into our minds, even into our bodies. And we come to you this morning, having sung and continuing to sing about you, and also, Lord, to sing to you. Lord, what a beautiful thing it is for us to hear you singing back to us. That's all part of worship. 
You know, that's what we're here to do for you this morning, to lift you up. So come, Holy Spirit, guide us, teach us, fill us with your presence. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God's Word said it. Our job is to believe it. Exactly what He said He will do, He will.
that there is no mountain that you can't break through or move in our lives. There's no situation, there's no person, there's no relationship, there's no nothing that you want to put back together that is too far gone. So Lord, today in our lives, at this moment right now, as we're worshiping, I just sense the Holy Spirit is moving in this room right now and wants to just speak to someone and say, that mountain that you're looking at, that circumstance that you're looking at in your life that you think is impossible, it's been there for a long time. And you have resigned yourself to the fact that it's never going away. Today I want to tell you that God is moving in your life. Not only to move it, but to move you to a place where you just not just survive, but where you are thriving. Where you're moving in His Spirit, where you're responding to His Spirit, where you're moving in His call. Whether you're in this room or you're watching us online or watching it later, God is speaking to someone right now. Move the immovable in our lives. Lord, you did that with a great love, one that we don't understand, one that we could never match, one that we could never fathom, and one that we could never produce on our own. We worship you, God.
discussion about the word reckless in a worship song because it indicates people doing things you think of reckless driving and you think of somebody who's just doing something crazy and they don't care what the circumstances are well that's what God did he did something crazy and he didn't care what the circumstances were but he came to get us we couldn't earn it every time I cannot I've been singing that song for a long time I can never sing that Line, I can't, I don't deserve it. I couldn't earn it without really feeling emotional about that. But I couldn't. So he came and he found me. He found you. He found us in different places, but he's brought us all to one place, and that is feet on a solid rock. No longer on sand, but on solid rock. I'm going to ask April, our kids' ministry director, to join me on the platform. Families that have children, after we conclude this prayer, you're going to go with April to uh, Kids' Church uh, ministry opportunity, and we're going to pray over them and uh, pray over our pastor as we enter into the message. Father, we thank you for that relentless love that comes after us. You left the 99 because you knew they were safe, because they had been taken care of. You knew they were safe, and you came after the one. And I was that one, even though I couldn't earn or deserve it, still you came. So today, God, we pray over our uh, children's ministry department. We just pray, Lord, that their ministry would be, uh, Lord, beautiful today to our children and that, that they would sense your spirit, Lord, from babies all the way up uh, through our children's ministry today. We pray your anointing on April and all of her staff. And we pray that as she ministers to them that that they would see your love in them. 
We pray for our pastor this morning as he comes and brings the message that, and as we pray each week, Lord, as, as he opens the word, that you would open our hearts, that we might receive from you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. again and as we continue our series uh, called Parables of Invitation, we're still asking questions about what is this invitation to which God brings us? What is the invitation that he asks us to give to others? And uh, I'm learning a lot in this and it's pretty inspiring. But basically God has given us the task of taking some kind of an invitation to others. And uh, I've mentioned before that my daughter's getting married uh, in March, and the way people share their invitations for weddings these days are a whole lot different than the way we gave invitations back when Carolyn and I got married, <laughs> which was, you know, you had to go to a printer and you had to you had to pick out the 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 stationery and the and the whether is it going to be embossed or whatever it's going to be and all kinds of things and now you just send out an electronic save the date thing and i'm not quite sure what that's about but anyway the invitation the way we give invitation changes over time and and that's true in our culture as well we have to figure out how to communicate this invitation to people who have not heard the invitation. And there are people who, who think they've heard the invitation, but what they've really heard is the invitation to something that doesn't exist. And we need to tell them, this is what it's about. So we're looking at these parables to, to see what is this invitation that God is giving to us personally, but also giving that we have the responsibility of giving to others. I hope that you receive an email from me every week, and if you don't, I hope that you will uh, look for an email or let us have your an email address that works. You know, sometimes I fill out an email address that I purposely know doesn't quite work. You know, you've done that too, I'm sure, so that you don't get <laughs> an email back from somebody. And uh, no, 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 you know, we all do it. Come on, let's be honest. And, uh, you know, I send every every Friday or Thursday night, Friday or Saturday, depending on when I get to it sometimes. I send out an email and uh, look for it or give us your email. And, and it's one way that we uh, send an inspirational message. So this week, this last Friday, I sent a, a very short story about a time when I had to had an experience that brought me to my senses. It, it made me come to my senses. And I want you to think about a time in your life when you, when you had to come to your senses. And what does that mean? We'll be talking about that this morning. But here's, this, here's the memory that I had. It was a bitter cold day uh, many years ago. Uh, I was working on the farm. I was a teenager. I was probably 15 or 16. Maybe I wasn't even that old because uh, maybe I was 13 even at, at that time. And it was a Sunday morning, which meant uh, on the farm, it was me and my dad that had to 
milk the cows, get the cows fed, feed the calves, uh, get all the uh, uh, get it all cleaned up in time that we could go to church uh, by whatever time church was. And it was a bitter, cold Sunday morning, and I was angry. I was resentful. I didn't want to get up and do all this work. Why do we have to do this? These stupid cows. But people like y'all like to have milk, so somebody's got to get the milk out of the cow so that you can have it. And cows don't wait. Uh, they just don't hold it. While, while you, so you got to get up. My dad got up at 3.30 in the morning. I got up at 5.30, maybe 5.15, something like that, to go out and help him. He'd already started. My job was to feed the cows. And in order to do that, I had to drive this, this large tractor pulling a large wagon that had all kinds of feed in it that got mixed up. And the tractor probably weighed about four tons. The wagon probably weighed four or six tons. Uh, we're talking ten, eight to ten, maybe twelve tons of mass. And it was middle of winter. And, you know, farms generally don't have pave, pavement or concrete uh, driveways or areas around the barns, and it's all dirt. And when the snow comes, you plow off the snow, but there's always some snow there, and it melts, and it turns into ice. So I've got this massive piece of machinery that I'm controlling, and I'm angry. And I don't want to be there. And I, all I want to do is get this job done so I can get back someplace where it's a whole lot warmer and more comfortable. And I'm, I'm driving this tractor around with, with all this weight on it, and I have to make a right-hand turn in order to turn around to, to, to uh, pull it in front of the end of one of the barns where I have to put some more feed into the wagon that I'm pulling. And I, I'm angry, and I crank up the engine so because I want to go fast, and so I got all this weight, and it, well, it's probably going five, six, seven miles an hour, but when you have that much weight on ice and you're making a sharp turn, things don't go the way they do when you're getting a lot of friction under your tires. And so I made my turn with the tractor, and I noticed very quickly that the, tra- the tractor was not turning in the direction that I was trying to make it. And instead of going in the in, in turning around the corner of the barn, it went straight toward the corner of the barn. And I had absolutely no control over it. And the, on the front of the tractor was this big bucket that I used to scoop up feed or, or whatever. And that bucket smashed into the corner of that barn with all that, that two tons of weight. And, and you know, you, it takes a, a train that has a lot of weight behind it. It takes almost a mile for a train to come to a complete stop. Well, I didn't have all that weight, but it was kind of like that. And I, you know what happened. I crashed into the barn. And so next thing I saw was this four-foot chunk of the corner post of the barn sailing across the driveway. I mean, it was lifted up out of the air and just whoosh, boom. And finally, the tractor stopped and I realized I had done a horrible thing. I had ruined my father's barn. <laughs> I had, I could have, it could have been much worse. I wasn't hurt. I mean, obviously I had all this protection around me. I mean, the tractor was all the weight and I wasn't going very fast. But I came to my senses in that moment, especially when I thought about what do I say to my father now? (laughs) And what's dad going to say? And I was also mad at myself because of my own resentment, my own anger. And I saw 
I saw what uncontrolled emotions can do. They can cause us to do reckless things. And there are times when we have to come to our senses. So I went to my father and I had to tell him what I had done. There was no way of hiding it. And he was very gracious to me. He didn't say, okay, that's Roger, you didn't do anything wrong. No, he, he acknowledged that I had made a mistake. He acknowledged that I had done something very stupid. He acknowledged that I had wasted the time. He acknowledged that I have damaged their property. But he also said to me, we'll take care of it. Go ahead, finish feeding the cows, feed the calves. I'll finish milking. We'll get it cleaned up and we'll fix it. He was very gracious to me, and that's a lesson that I have never forgotten. A moment that I survived, a moment of coming to my senses. Last night on the way home from church, we, 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 we finished up uh, church, and I, was, I went up 896. I turned right onto Route 40, and I got to the intersection of Route 40 and Route 72, Wrangell Hill Road. And I, and I was turning left onto Wrangell Hill Road, or 72, and just as I stopped at my red arrow to allow cross traffic to go through, just as I came to a stop, all of a sudden, I heard this bang! And right in front of me, a car turning left onto Route 40 was struck by a car going straight on 72. I didn't see who, I didn't see who was... Uh, who who, who avo- didn't stop at their red light? All I saw is all of a sudden there's this there's a there's a car with its headlights about 30 feet in front of my vehicle. Headlights are facing me, and that's not where it's supposed to be. I got out of my car, walked over to the man. He was okay. Fortunately, the car that hit him had passed through the intersection and had pulled over over there. But he had to come to his senses as he waited for the police. He eventually pulled the car. I said, he pulled the car forward. He was able to drive it. And I said, why don't you pull over there into the median and off the road so that traffic could continue? Have you had a moment in your life yet when you've had to come to your senses? I suspect you have. <laughs> you don't have to be very old before you have these kinds of experiences. Let's look at Luke chapter 15. And think about this idea of coming to our senses and how God is involved in coming to our senses. Because in Luke chapter 15, we read a powerful story that teaches us a lot about ourselves, a lot about God, and a lot about coming to our senses. So this this story will be familiar to you. And the song that we just sang, I believe, comes right out of this story. And you're going to see the connection in a few minutes. Luke chapter 15 starting with verse 11, reads, Jesus had been teaching. He had already given two illustrations to make his point, but that wasn't enough. You know, sometimes preachers have an illustration, and then an illustration, and then an illustration. (laughs) Look at it. Jesus did the same thing. We're just like Jesus. Yay. And Jesus says to, Luke tells us, to illustrate the point even further, Jesus told them this story. He said, a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate right now before you die. 
Now, you have to understand that what the son has really said to dad right now is, Dad, you are as good as dead to me. Give me what will be mine when you die. The father, having been confronted by this ungrateful, uh, disrespectful son, agrees. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land where he wasted all his money on wild living. I want us to pay attention to that word wasted. We're going to come back to that in a second. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. I think it was Thursday. Maybe it was Friday. Lynn, are you in here? Lynn Poindexter? I'm not sure where she is. So I was, I was preparing the message, and I was reading over this, and I said, uh, and it was time for me to make a video to put on our webpage or to put on Facebook. And uh, I wanted to do something that was related to this. I said, I wonder if there are any pig farms in the area. So I, so I just Googled pig farms in Newark, Delaware, and I found one just a couple miles away. I said, let's go see some pigs. So this is what it's like in the office. I grabbed a couple staff people and said, let's get in the car. We're going to see some pigs. And I got Lynn. And if you know Lynn Poindexter, she dresses nice. She's a good city girl from Philadelphia. She said, pigs. And I looked down and she's got suede boots on. I said, yeah, you're dressed perfectly. Now, Lynn has this pair of pink rubber boots that she they're very fashionable and i said you need to go home first and get your pink rubber boots <laughs> said, no, I'm gonna do that. so we loaded up we got in the car lynn and april who was just here a minute ago she's down with the children right now and we drove over to the pig farm i wanted to do a little video about this story in front of some pigs so that you to kind of illustrate what was going on and we got over to the farm and i found one of the guys who was working on the farm and i said who I am. I'm Pastor Roger of Christ's Cornerstone Church. I want to take a little short video and I just want to borrow a fence beside your pigs. He says, well, we don't have any pigs anymore. They're already gone. I went back and said, told that to Lynn and Lynn said, where'd the pigs go? I said, you don't want to know where the pigs went. But they got a lot of cows. So let's stand up beside the cows. And so we stood by a fence and made a little video about coming to our senses. And in front of the cows. You got you to you gotta let Jesus' stories and the parables and the comparisons come into your imagination when you're reading them and understand what's going on here. This is not a comfortable place for him to be. But he has been there for a long time. When have you been in an uncomfortable place for a long time? Refusing to come to your senses. So he continues, verse 17 says, When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. 
And he determines, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both you, both heaven and you. And I am no worthy, I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. Having made that determination, he decides to act now. So he returned home to his father. Now, how far away did he go? All we know is, is it was a distant land. I want us to think about those times when we come to our senses. And, and in my experience that I shared at the beginning of the message, I didn't have to go a long way to tell my father what I had done. This guy does. And when you have to confess, when you have to turn around, and when you have to admit that what you've been doing has not been good for you, what you have been doing has not been right for your family, what you have been doing is not healthy for you, and you finally come to your senses, how long does it take to get back? And in the, if, if we have to make amends with other people, for example... There might be a lot of thought processes that go along. I think that this young man had a lot of time to think about his decision about going back to his father. I think this this young man had a lot of time to decide once again, I can't face my father. I'm going to go back to the pigs. He had a lot of time to think about this. This was not a quick action decision. And he had to continue to go towards his father, still not knowing how his father was going to respond to him. But he just knew this one thing, that in his father's house, there still was a place for him. So he returned home to his father. And even while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. His father was filled with love and compassion, and he ran to his son. He embraced his son. He kissed his son. His son said to him, as he had planned, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy. Boy, that's a hard sentence, hard word for me to say for some reason this morning. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But, and if you've heard me teach anything about studying the Bible or or reading the Bible, you have to pay attention to the contrasts in Scripture. Words like but. What two things are being contrasted when there's a word but? What's contrasted here is the expectation of the son and the action of the father. The son does not know what the father is going to say. He expects him to have condemnation. But he experiences something different. And instead of saying, you are a horrible son, you have have done something wrong, the father says, quick! And he's not even speaking to the son. He's speaking to the servants. Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger. Get sandals for his feet. Kill the calf that we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. 
And read this verse, read this phrase with me. And so the party began. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Mary. Last week I told a powerful story about a prostitute in Honolulu receiving a birthday party as a sign of God's mercy and grace and the value of her life. She'd never experienced anything like that. It came from a book by Tony Campolo titled, The Kingdom of God is a Party. And I love this translation of this passage because it says, And so the party began. When you come back to God, that's the beginning of the party. Just the beginning. Just the beginning of the party. We can see in all of these parables that Jesus is making a comparison between our life here and the life that God has for us. This father should have rejected the son. But the father didn't do that. And the father knew all along that if if the father was not the first person to grab hold or even see the son, if another person in the village had seen the son first, that person probably would have rang a bell, would have sounded some kind of an alarm, they would have blown a shofar to alert everybody in the town something's happening. And the people in the town would have gathered at the gate or the entrance or the main road into the town. And they would have confronted the son. And they would have had a clay pot. And in front of that son, preventing that son from entering the town, they would have taken that clay pot and they would have smashed it to the ground. As if to say, if you even dare enter this town, we are going to crush you. That's what the town should have done. And that's what towns did in those days. And it still happens in our world today. Among the Amish, for example, they call it shunning. And among certain religions and certain denominations, they call it excommunication. But God is saying to us, not in my house. God looks at each one of us and says, you are valuable. You, I have brought life to you. And I am not going to let you waste that life. The son wasted that life. Well, we, I mentioned that word when he wasted his living. I wasted the energy of the tractor. I wasted the time that I had to do the chores that dad needed me to do. Not for my own sake, but for the sake of the family. I wasted it. I disregarded it. I had no value in, in it. And I squandered it. This son squandered his living. There's another word that means waste. And that's a word that we often apply to the title of this story. And many of us know this story as the story of the blank son. The prodigal son. And we think that that word prodigal must mean somebody who runs away. And it doesn't mean that. And I've said this before. It means the word prodigal literally means to waste. So the word, the, the, the one who is doing the wasting here first is the son. 
But then again, the word prodigal can also mean reckless, just like we sang a few minutes ago. And so, who is reckless? The son was reckless with his living. I was reckless with the power of the tractor that had been entrusted to me to accomplish a task. The father is reckless with his mercy. The father is reckless with his compassion. He's wasting it on his son. And how many townspeople in that village said, Father, how in the world can you receive this son back that is wasting who you are and what you're doing? Father wasted, was reckless with his position. His, this, this father probably was the leader of this town. He, probably, he was the owner of the estate on which this town, the entire town, depended for their sustenance. They were employed by him. And they respected the father. And the father wore expensive clothes because he could afford them. And he was dignified. And he had robes on that, that, that showed everybody his position in the town. But his father was also looking for the son to come. Every day the father watched for the son to return. So that when the son returned, the father was the first one to see the son coming back. And when the father saw him coming, the father took his expensive robes, layers of them, and he reached down to the hem of his robes and he pulled up the hem of his robes, both the front and the back. And he loosened his belt and he shoved his robes down into his belt. Can you picture it? You need to be because it's a horrible looking picture. And if you and I were, if I had a, if I had a robe and I've been in churches where I wore a robe every Sunday and, I, and I've done this and I've pulled the robe up and I've stubbed it and it looks like I'm wearing this great big fat diaper. It's embarrassing. And the father shamed himself in front of the town. Why? In order to protect the son and restore the son back into the fellowship of the community. In the body of Christ, there is no excommunication. There is restoration. I don't hear too many amens on that. I'm not sure you believe it. That Jesus calls us to restore people, not to push them away. And what Jesus, the invitation that God gives to the church is to say, go get them. And if you have to pull your robe up like this and shove it in like this and you look, you look shameful to the rest of the world, I don't care. Bring them to me. Help them see and understand how vast is my love for all people? That's the job of the church. Not to excommunicate people, but to say, God loves you. And I'm going to love you. We're going to be reckless with our love at Christ the Cornerstone. Or wherever. And it's not unique to Christ the Cornerstone. That's the job that God has for the body of Christ around the world. To be extravagant and reckless with the love of God that He was reckless with in order to bring us back to the Father who created us for life and seeks to restore our life now and forever. 
That's the invitation that He has for us. When He finally came to His senses, He said to Himself, At home, even the hired servants have enough food. And here I am dying of hunger and thirst. What's it going to take to bring you to your senses? That God loves you. Turn around. And so what's involved in coming to our senses? It is an expression of turning around. In order for that son to return to the father, and I hope that you're getting the point that God, Jesus is making this comparison of this, this, this farmer, the father, and the son, and the comparison. This, this is exactly what God has done for us. This is exactly what Jesus has done for us. God is the one who is the Father who is watching for each one of us. God is the one who humbled Himself and became a servant through the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus took on the shame of our sinfulness just like that Father pulled His robes up and left His privileged position of being the leader of the town. He became the one who served the Son and brought Him back into the family. And in order for the Son to receive that, the Son had to make an about face in His life. He had to stop squandering what had been given to Him. He had to get Himself up out of the pig slop. He had to come to a realization of this is not what life was meant to be. Where is their life? Oh, I remember. Life is with the Father. Life is with God. Life is with Jesus. There's a saying that many people do not accept change until the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of changing. There's a balance in our lives. <laughs> I've been doing this for all my life, but it's going to be really hard for me to change. So I'm just going to stay doing that. And if I, if I change, here's a better way. Somebody says, here's a better way to live my life. But it's going to be too hard for me to make those changes. Look what I've got to give up. I've got to give up my fun. I've got to give up my pride. I've got to give up my... I don't know what God will ask you to give up in order to get to the place that God created you to be. But until the weight of the pain over here exceeds the weight of pain of changing, you're going to stay over here. Some of us are just that stubborn that we won't make that change until we get way down, 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 down. Some of us are strong enough that we're just going to wait until we get down, 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 down. Yeah, some of us are stronger and we can take more pain than others. Why? Because you know where this is leading. But this leads to life. As Jesus said, I have come to bring life and bring it abundantly. Come to Jesus. Repent. Turn around. And as we take communion this morning, that's exactly what the invitation to us is. To turn around. To recognize that Jesus is the one who has come to us, who has left His position of privilege in, in divinity. 
He has taken on the position of a servant in order that you and I could be restored to life because in our sinfulness we have been running away from God, squandering and wasting what God has given to us. What God has a way for us that is true and life-giving. Let's come to it. I want us to say the Lord's Prayer together and put it on the screen. And in this prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, there's one little line that is a prayer of confession and a request for forgiveness. And I don't ever want to tell us what to say. I don't, I don't want anybody to pray something because you don't mean it. So if you, if you can't pray this prayer and not mean it, it's better for you to just say, stay silent. But in this prayer, there is a confession, and that is a right thing to do. So let's take a moment and think about our own lives and where we are in relation to God. And is there a confession? And let's just ask God, Lord, is there something in my life that you need me to confess? And this is my prayer. You pray your own prayer. Lord, if there's anything in my life that I need to confess in this moment, please reveal it to me. Help me come to my senses. Lord, I may not even know how to turn around. I may not know how to change. I may think that I don't have the strength to turn around. The power, the ability. Maybe, God, I don't even have the desire to stop doing this. But I know it's bringing destruction to my life. And I know it's not the way that you created me to live. So, Holy Spirit, I ask you to come and work in my life, in the life of all of us, as we prepare to receive this sacrament. This, this, this sacrament is kind of the ring on the finger for us. This sacrament is kind of like the, the Father calling for the robes, which transforms us. The sacrament is, a, is, is an acknowledgement that we need you, Jesus, and we're going to come to you. That's what this means. And we thank you, Jesus, for your mercy and grace. Let's pray this prayer together. Uh, Let's skip forward to the Lord's Prayer. This is the Apostles' Creed. So let's go to the next uh, section. There we go. Our Father in heaven. Let's pray this together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. I invite you to take uh, take the little cup of juice. Uh, you can peel the wafer, peel open the cellophane and the and the wafer, as we continue to pray. Jesus, we remember that night when you were betrayed. You you met with your disciples. It was that night, Jesus, when when you yourself were coming to your senses, and you before the supper, you were kneeling or. That night you were kneeling in the garden saying, Father, I don't want to do this. But it's what you've 
brought me to do. Jesus was coming to his senses and he was coming back to you in order to do what you created him to do. So Jesus, we remember you and how you took the bread and you broke the bread and you gave it to your disciples and said, take, this is my body given for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Eat this as often as you do and remember me. So Jesus, as we eat this, we remember who you are. Let's take and eat and be thankful. When the supper was over, Jesus took the cup, gave thanks, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, this is my my blood of the new covenant. I'm establishing a new relationship with you. You're not that old son. You're not that old daughter. You're a new child, a new person. It's a new relationship. Let's start over again. Thank you, Jesus for your forgiveness. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come and be present with us. Thank you. Let's take and drink and be thankful. Jesus, we thank you for your kindness that you give to us, your mercy, your grace. As we continue to worship you, God, today, continue to bring your Holy Spirit upon us. Restore us, Jesus. Give us your power. Help us, Jesus. You've given us this invitation. We receive it. Now, Lord, we have the task of going out and bringing that same invitation to others. Help us be courageous. And, Lord, we can be lavish. We can be extravagant with the love that you give to us. And we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. The cross is a place where we can receive from Him. It's not just a symbol on the wall. It's not just something we wear around our neck. It's a remembrance of what He did for us. That we couldn't deserve or earn. But it's a gift that He's given to us. Amen. The front is open. You can come and pray. There are folks at the prayer stations. We want to be here to bless you today. Let's worship Him together. And there's a place where mercy reigns and never dies. There's a place where streams of grace flow deep and
doesn't mean that you're standing there with your hand out waiting for us to pay it because the price has been paid. And Lord, when we reach that moment where we come to our senses and we turn in your direction, we know that you are there. And so Lord, today that is our prayer and that is my encouragement. If you're in this room and you still need to, you're still in a place where let's be honest you still need to come to your senses today maybe you're watching us online and you're sitting there thinking yeah I, that's where I am there'll be some folks online that can still talk to you for 15 minutes or so there's still going to be some folks uh, the front will be open to pray there are folks at the prayer station before you leave this room today or before you sign off online today make it right because he's here so God we pray that the power of the Holy Spirit would move among us today. Help us today to come to our senses and to turn to you. And to understand that we are not worthy, except that you have made us worthy of the gift. So we honor your name. We bless you. Send your spirit with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. God bless you. Thank you for worshiping with us today. Have a great week.